So we've been prayed with, we've learned to fly, and now I would invite our own spiritual director who always teaches us to find our whole self and shows us that we too have wings. Please welcome with me our spiritual director, Reverend Patrick Cameron. I know something's up. I said, why are the musicians all standing up there? <laughs> now I know. Yeah, we never do this. <laughs> no. There was a momentous occasion happening this last... It was Friday, is that correct? It was Friday. It was Friday. Yes. Somebody had a special thing to celebrate. Ready? Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Patrick. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wow, very sweet. I knew something was up. I said, Anna's still there and Sparrow's staying and something's happening. And oh, I know what's going on. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, golly, we, we can go home now. How was my day? Did someone want to know how was my day? It was wonderful. I got a massage. Because I, I give you an update. I did shinny hockey on Monday. And, uh, and I'm now able to tuck my shirt in today. Around the back. I have never been so sore in my entire life. It, the lesson there is never wait 35 years to skate again, is what I might have to say. Because we skated all the time when I was a kid. Oh, no problem. One of the guys there when I was skating, it's a, it's a senior league. Can you believe I was skating a senior league? But I did. And uh, one of the guys said, uh, it takes a lot of guts to do what you do. 35 years, no skating. I said, either that or stupidity. And uh, so after about 20 minutes of it, Doug Kelly, who took me, I said, Doug, I, I'm having trouble catching my breath. And he said, oh, we got a defibrillator right over there in the corner. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That made me feel much better. And he said, we've never had a guy have a heart attack at the rink. It usually happens on the way home in the car. <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, then I'm staying here. So anyway, thank you. And people want to know if I'm going to quit. I'm not quitting. I'm not going to go through all that agony to quit one time. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Anyway, thank you for the song and thank you for, for just everything. On a day of uh, gratitude and thanksgiving, it is just, from the bottom of my heart, it has just been an honor to have spent so much meaningful time with all of you in this community. Whether you're here for the first time or have been here for the last 11 years, which has been about the time I've been here, I just am so grateful for every moment and every person that has, has uh, either, <laughs> either uh, uh, been part of the momentum or part of the to uh, opportunity to pause and look and, and, uh, for discovery. So I thank you in, for that. And in that spirit, I'd like to uh, sing a song with you. And if you'd like to stand and sing that song, please feel free. And if not, stay seated and we'll... We'll continue to deepen in our own connection with spirit through prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, 
There's quite enough joy for all the world, and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit. In this very room, in this very room, in this very room, and so what I would invite your agreement in in this moment, as it says in in Scripture, where two or more are in agreement, it is done. And so I know there's something stirring within you. There's something stirring within me. That is seeking greater clarity, greater expression. Perhaps it's something that we're we're struggling to put down. Whatever it may be in this moment, I support you and I ask for your support in like measure for myself. And that the transformation of my consciousness, whatever that may be, that allows me to deepen in my own expression, my own awareness, and my own realization and demonstration of that which is the, the truth of my being and the truth of your being. I surrender in this moment in gratitude, knowing it is already done. I know this for myself, and I invite you to know it with me for yourself. And as we stand in this agreement, this willingness, it is already complete in the mind of the one. And so we are here about healing. We are here about stepping out of the box of of belief into a quantum field of possibility that is beyond what any of us can measure in our own thinking. And so it's an opportunity to put down my small ideas and welcome the bigger idea because what I know about what I long to experience is it's time to give birth to a bigger idea, a larger idea, and I welcome that. And I don't understand all the aspects of it or how I get there, but something within me does know. And I stand in gratitude and appreciation and say, thank you, infinite divine presence for the blessings that are in my life. Thank you for breath to breathe that reminds me each moment enough to fill my lungs to sustain me. Thank you for the opportunity to watch new life be born upon this planet in the face of our children. Thank you for the opportunity to be inspired by that activity, to know that our legacy, what we leave behind us, is based on the choices we make today. And what is before us, and how we shall live and how we shall thrive or not thrive, is based on those same choices. So I stand in gratitude and appreciation in this moment with you, knowing that we are always a choice. And, and honoring and accepting the responsibility and the opportunity to change my thinking and my consciousness whenever I choose. Thank you for your love and support in that activity. Thank you for guiding me to this beautiful teaching that does not tell me I'm stuck or I'm broken or that I have to grovel in the dirt and hope I and pray I make my way into the, to the gates of heaven. For heaven is a present moment awareness. And we stand in the dignity and the brilliance and the inside of all the great teachers who have gone before us to support us, resource us, love us into a new idea and a new possibility. For this I give thanks, knowing every right thing is is revealed for you and I in this moment and each moment hereafter. Together we say, and so it is. All right. Wow, you three got the front row. I don't know who put that front row in there, but awesome. Good on you. I was actually paying people at the first service to sit there, so... (laughs) Did you? <laughs> what is your name? What, did, what is your name? Pam. Pam. Awesome, Pam. Patrick. Pam, nice to meet you. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, here we are, Thanksgiving um, weekend. I went on, online and I looked up the, 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 uh, what motivated and what inspired Thanksgiving in Canada, and it's quite amazing because it was really around people being grateful that nature didn't completely destroy the fleet and things like that. It were all these momentous uh, uh, occasions for explorers to say, oh, wow, Whew, I think we should have a meal. We got through that finally. Um, and, and so it's evolved over time to, to what we have today. I want to um, uh, invite uh, uh, someone that just returned from Abhijanya, which is this little village where John of God lives and does his work, uh, who had journeyed there. And um, what I'm going to do is that this time around, I'm going to invite Ken Hoover to come on up, come forward. Ken, come on up. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview Ken this time a little bit. He had a beautiful story and beautiful things to, sh- to say. But Ken got back last night, he told me. I didn't realize it was that quick because he uh, had, uh, but here's your mic. And the power, you've you got it. Keep her close. Yep. So what inspired you to go to uh, John of God? You did. Okay, good answer. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, Ken has been sitting in the back of the, car, uh, the uh, gathering each Sunday and holding the current and, and that and giving me a wonderful insight in some books. And so uh, talk about your uh, experience there when you walked in, and I'll let you sure. go from there. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Uh, the Casa is, is a very... Powerful place. Uh, spiritual, physical healings are, are available there just because spirit works so mightily. Um, it, it's uplifted there. It's very powerful. Um, I went in, uh, I sat in the current four or five times. I got a number of uh, spiritual blessings or healings. I even got three or four physical blessings that I hadn't asked for, but the entities. Uh, must have realized I needed them. I can talk about those if you want. But uh, what's your next question? Well, what was the, what was the most impactful uh, experience of the one thing that you would like everybody to know that you received? Uh, and maybe it was many, but think mm-hmm. of the one thing. If you had one thing to share to let people know. Sure, I can do that. Um, sitting in current in meditation in a group, a uh, hundred people roughly, um, the meditations become very powerful. Uh, for everyone there, there's a lot of healing given and received both ways. So uh, this was actually my f- first time in current. After half an hour, I was just sitting there watching the breath, feeling the breath in and out, up and down. Uh, suddenly, a, a realization, a knowing came to me. Um, I know what I am. I'd never had this before. Most of my adult life, I've wondered what the heck am I? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a ray of light. And this came with such a profound sense of truth and knowing that it was beyond doubt that that is my essential identity. Um, now, I'm not always in touch with that moment by moment, but it's, it's a good touchstone to have to carry around with me that uh, when I wonder what's up, who am I, why am I feeling so lost? Well, I don't know, but I'm a ray of light. Mm, beautiful. So what, now what is your, I know there, they always talk about with the experience then to always reach for the highest thought possible. So what would you identify as your highest thought possible around that experience to carry forward? Um, love. Love for brothers, sisters, everyone I meet mm-hmm. is the highest possible experience. Awesome. Um, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for spending, sharing your, making that trip for us. Beautiful.
He and Ken um, at our first service uh, went really expanded on it and did some teaching around it. it was quite lovely. Um, but so we, you've heard me talk about John of God a little bit. The thing that I love about it is I think it lines up so beautifully with what we teach. That we are all Holmes had an experience. Uh, Ernest Holmes had an experience in Whittier, California, uh, very shortly before he left the physical body and. Uh, and, and what he said was he looked out upon the audience and you hear it because it was taped but you hear his voice sort of stop and pause and then he said you know I see everyone as a, a ray of light everyone is like a candle flame as he looked out in the audience and so it was a very kind of a mystical experience so when, when Ken's talking about that I, I, I reflectively thought about Dr. Holmes' experience with that one of the things that Ernest Holmes uh, spoke about and actually there's a there's a wonderful article in the Science of Mind magazine about John of God written by Dr. Roger Teal from the Mile High Church and, in a, and there's a quote in it that I actually emailed him when we got back because that's the group that I went with and in it, it Dr. Holmes in the Ideas of Power it's volume 3 by George Bendel and he speaks in that um, that talk that he gave that one day I imagine what I see for our movement is that people will receive the healing that they're looking for simply by walking through the doors of our gatherings and so when I went to Abhijanya I said this is exactly what Holmes talked about and the, re- and, and the conditions that create that are consciousness the conditions that create that are exactly what we teach here that's a continuing deepening and uh, awareness and perception it's bit by bit it's moment by moment so it's a very congruent fit, I think, with what we teach. That none of us are stuck. The thing that I'm the most grateful for, I thought about this for the last couple of days and, and coming with, uh, spending time with you today and, and deciding um, what I'm most grateful for, and it really is the capacity for change. It's really the, the knowing that whatever condition exists in my life right now, I'm not stuck there. And I wasn't raised that way. When I was, what, what I was told by people that loved me and nurtured me and I, and I, and I accepted in great love and I don't, I don't judge it, but it's an awareness that I have now. For a long time I did judge it. But it, so much of it was, well, you're suffering and suffering is a way of life and, and so offer that suffering up for others. And while that's a wonderful idea and kind of gives you a place to kind of put your suffering, it didn't really bring much relief. And at a, at a young age, I thought, wow, how much suffering am I going to carry forward in my life? And when I found this teaching, when I found this, this perspective that we're not here to, to suffer and continue to suffer and to learn how to manage our suffering, we're really here to take those moments of, of uh, discontent and on those obstacles that show up in our lives and use them as a way to trigger healing in our lives or a healing teaching. And so, wherever good is being expressed on the planet, we celebrate it. I have a book here that I was guided to this week by Catherine Ponder. It's called The Dynamic Laws of Healing. And one of the things that guided me to that was that in uh, uh, Roger Teal's article about John of God in the Science of Mind magazine, he said that we've, many times we get away from this idea of physical healing. We get away from these ideas of, of healing. Um, and we're about ideas of demonstration. You know, the ideas that we demonstrate parking spots and we demonstrate business opportunities and we demonstrate sort of the manifestation stage of consciousness. And I've watched people over the years and I've watched myself and my own experience with this. And what, what I've seen is there, there's a bit of a honeymoon with this teaching. In fact, we, you can come to it and you can all of a sudden say, wow, my thought creates my life. And people have seen the movie The Secret. Anybody here ever seen the movie The Secret? There's probably three or four people here that have. 
But anyway, you know, that was sort of an advertisement about manifestation, about, you know, you set the intention, the, the checks are going to show up, and checks just show up. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty interesting idea. Um, and not that it's not possible, but, but what happens for most of us is that we, we, we get into the teaching, we take a class, and then all of a sudden we start to go through this honeymoon phase, we start to have some success with, with using our, our thought, thinking in a new way, and, and then the things start to shift and change, and then things start to go sideways, and then things aren't working out so well. And, and then we get to the point where like, we, we start to say to ourselves, this doesn't work, this is worse, I'm worse off now than I was before. But what happens in that is a reflection of exactly what Holmes talked about is that our thinking is undisciplined. Our thinking is undisciplined. And so what happens is the undisciplined mind that we brought to the, the, the modality or to the, the, the skill set that will allow us to shift and change, we, we start to lose some of it and we slip right back into our old way of thinking, the old order of things that we understood. And, and unless we have someone that can coach us along the way and encourage us, it's very easy to get discouraged and say, this doesn't work. When in fact it works, but what's happening is our minds are undisciplined. And so then what that requires, in, in my opinion, in my experience, it requires spiritual practice. Not because we want to have spiritual practice so we're good at spiritual practice. We don't meditate and then, and then we don't have an annual, I think we should have a consciousness award like they have the Academy Awards and the Oscars and the Tonys. I think we should have an annual consciousness award. For somebody that we, you know, we just nominate people. This person began the year with nothing, was $10 million in debt, and you know, now owns a condo in Boca Raton, Florida, and driving a Rolls Royce, and we like, I'm, I'm goofing right now. But how do you measure that, number one? But, but the point is, is that, so the reason for spiritual practice, the reason that we have meditation in our life, for example, is because in meditation, what we do is we are, we are able to sit with it, what, is, what, what is within us it's bubbling up for us, and we're able to look at it. We're able to bring awareness to it. We're able to, you know, whatever it may be, to sit with it. Many people will say to me, oh, I can't meditate. It's so uncomfortable. Well, you're, you've been that uncomfortable your whole life. You're just looking at it now. And so meditation, but meditation is a practice. It's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a way of life. Affirmative prayer, that which we set an intention for to shift and change. And we'll meet with obstacles in that. Service to others. You know, service, giving something to the world from that perspective rather than just simply gathering and gathering and gathering our own devices. You know, part of the shutdown of the government in the United States right now, I was reading a brilliant article yesterday online about how there's a, con a contingency that are so mad of all the changes that have gone on. And, and it's an example of resistance. You know, that, that, that uh, the whole issue around um, same-sex marriage, the whole issue around having more minorities coming into the United States in this movement to uh, provide health care for them, this whole movement around the shifts and changes that have gone on, it, that there's a, there was a, a status quo there that is, is falling apart. And the status quo is angry. But it's just a reflection of consciousness shifting and changing. And so... Uh, neither here nor there, but it's fascinating to watch itself play it out because they still have enough influence to create what's been, the stalemate that's been created. But it's a reflection of the resistance to change. And, and, I, and I don't, certainly don't suggest or know the answers, but what I do know is that when that much uh, anxiety is involved, it's change. So I wanted to share with you from the Dynamic Laws of Healing by Catherine Ponder. And Catherine Ponder is just a brilliant uh, uh, new thought educator. 
and was a prolific writer. And she talks about this issue about being challenged. She talks about uh, a chapter in here called chemicalization. And so I think it's brilliant because it speaks to this, what happens to us as we start to change our lives, as we start to say, you know what, I want this to be different. I'm no longer going to live like this, I'm going to live like that. And, what, and, and part of the process that goes on with that. She said, you've heard it said that things have to get worse sometimes before they get better. The getting worse process is actually a part of the improvement process. And what seems failure is actually success becoming born in the situation. That's chemicalization. This is often what happens in the minds and bodies of people when they begin to deliberately practice the dynamics of right thinking. Ernest Holmes said to learn how to think is to learn how to live. And the Buddha said we create the, our world by the way we think. So Holmes didn't invent it. He just tagged on his own perception of what the Buddha had said. And in order, and one of the reasons I was talking about meditation a bit, in order to, Holmes said that we, we are all the Christ. When Ken was talking about Abhijanya, it's, it's just more open there and more apparent and more consistent because that's all you're doing. You're sitting in the, that Christ awareness, that unconditional love. But if you notice history, if you notice how the, the great avatars came down through history, Buddha showed up before Christ, which to me is a clue about my spiritual practice. So if I'm going to enter into that Christ awareness, which is a, it's a principle, it's not a, a, a man. It's a principle of connection, unbroken connection with spirit. But if I'm going to enter that, I probably need to, to embody the Buddha nature first, which the Buddha taught was meditation. So meditation, and Holmes says the same thing, meditation is a pathway to that greater and deepening understanding. So what, what, what often happens in the minds and bodies of people when they begin to deliberately practice the dynamic laws of right thinking, a chemical change literally takes place in their thoughts and feelings which is then reflected in their bodies and their affairs. They may feel nervous, frightened, agitated, and if they, ever have, if they ever have been sick, their old diseases may flare up again. If they've been mortally bad, the old desires and habits may take possession of them again. And if they've had previous financial problems, all at once things may seem darker and more hopeless than ever before. In their human relationships, it may seem that everybody is turned against them and that in harmony is the order of the day. So what happened? Simply this. These people for years have lived in wrong thought. Now this is my story. I don't know if you can relate to it, but I'll own this. I lived in wrong thought. And so, and the effort sometimes it was taking to do the shifts and changes was so annoying and so inconvenient that I kept wanting to quit. And so I would do that. I would quit. Never going back there again because it doesn't work. And then my life would get so miserable, I'd say, oh my God, I got to go back. So I, I felt sort of, and, and, and no one was telling me this except me. And now, so now they have begun to do an about face th thinking in terms of, and they're not starting to think in terms of love, praise, forgiveness, and release. Such reverse thoughts are a big dose for their system to take. And so there's a clash between their old and new ways of thinking. This sets up a chemical reaction in mind, body, and affairs. It does. She's really excited about it over there. At such times, the good things to remember is that, the one, that, and I love this, this is from Catherine, that one positive thought, one positive thought is more powerful than a thousand rowdy negative thoughts. The old ways of thinking is, is on its way out no matter how much noise it makes in the process. It has to go. But having been in control for so long, it doesn't want to give up the fight. 
Even while it is flurrying up for the last time, you can know that it is actually unconditionally surrendering and will soon be completely gone. And meanwhile, there seems to be a lot of excitement as it takes its last stand. So I think it's a beautiful example of when we, when, when we start to challenge the status quo of our thinking, there can be resistance that shows up. I've had many people say to me, I've, I've done that Prosperity Plus class a bunch of times, and it's more than one occasion people have come up to me and said, oh, it's getting worse. And I've said to them, good for you, which they really don't want to hear. Because what, in that class, what you do is you challenge your belief that there's not enough. And you challenge the belief by, being, by agreeing to give more. And it's serious. It's, it's serious, serious spiritual practice. And it's fascinating to watch. And the only reason that I have enough courage to do it is because I walked that path. And I know in my own life that hoarding doesn't get me there. That there's an unbounded supply of life and opportunity. You know, one of the reasons I wanted Ken to share with you, see, one of the things that, that Ken shares with you, he brings back, he's so fresh from that energy, he brings that, that vibration of that, that sacred with him. And my, my vision for this is that, that more and more of that do I want that to be our experience here. So that when people walk in the door, whether they understand it or not, they are greeted and met and walk into this wave of unconditional love and acceptance and healing. Because we're a healing teaching. And wherever there's something going on in your experience that doesn't line up with your ideal, that's the opportunity. But it's also being willing to hang in there together and say, we're going to get through this together. I know it feels like it, it, it's really tough right now, but we can get there. And we need people in our lives to be able to say that to us. We, we're not in this alone. And the reason that we, we, we say thank you on this day of Thanksgiving is because we're not alone. Who are we thanking? Well, we're thanking, we're thanking people in our lives that we love or we're thanking the unseen forces that we're immersed in. This army of light that we are immersed in, the immediacy of spirit that we're immersed in. And so when you go to John of God or you come here and work with a practitioner, whatever you may be, it's, it's setting an intention, pressing a, a, a new idea upon this infinite intelligence that always says yes and growing, and growing in, the, in, in, in awareness so that you realize there's really nothing for me to fix here. It's only an opportunity for me to get clear in my awareness about what I stand for and then to develop the, the, the deep abiding embodiment of gratitude about it. It's exampled in John, in the Gospel of John, when, when Jesus, there's in John 6, about 6-12, six somewhere in there. It's in chapter 6. And so Jesus is preaching. And it's a story about all these people show up. They say in Matthew it says there's 5,000 people. Now, when we, we get into the stuff about the Gospels and the, and the Bible, I just want you to know that historically a lot of stuff got written. You know, there's a lot of stories. I just read The Zealot, which is a wonderful book about the historical Jesus. But what I am convinced of is that there is a Christ consciousness, which I believe that that story represents. And it's available to all of us. Uh, what, I, what I'm convinced of is that healing is possible, and that's what his life represented. And what his life represented was this, this intimate relationship with spirit. And the Buddha had to come 500 years prior so that the consciousness could, so enough of the consciousness could be cleansed so that he could have this experience. So if you look at it, the chronology of consciousness, you see Buddha had to come before Christ. But so Jesus came before the crowd, and, and so he had his disciples with him. And it's very interesting in the story because, because one of the disciples says, it's, it's lunchtime. Everybody's hungry. And so Philip, Philip says what I would say. 
well, let's tell everybody to go home, get something to eat, be back here in an hour and a half. <laughs> Makes sense, huh? That's practical. You go buy something. Go get something. And Jesus says, no, 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 we're not doing that. And then, and then, he, and then Jesus looks over to the, to the guys, and he says to Judas, how much money's in the bag? And he looks in there, and he says, not enough. Not enough to feed everybody. Okay, well, we don't have enough to feed everybody. And so then one of the... Um, uh, Peter Simon brings a little boy over and says, here's this little boy, and he's got two fishes and five loaves of bread. And Jesus says, okay, let's start there. Let's work with what we got. And so as the story goes, he blesses it and divides it and multiplies it, and after, after the 5,000 or more have eaten, a lot of people, they gather in the scraps, and there's 12 baskets of excess So it's a wonderful story, and if you, and if you look at in the, from the perspective of, of the, that Christ's figure being the magician, it's pretty good, powerful magic. But the beauty of in the, what's in the story, I think, what, what the, the, the gem in the story that I think is most valuable is that what Jesus did, it's further down in the story of, of John. They talk about going back to the location, that same location the next day. And John describes it, and he doesn't say, this is where Jesus fed the 5,000. This is where he divided the loaves and the breads, and everybody ate to their fill, and there was more than enough. What John says, which I think is, is the perennial wisdom, this is the place where Jesus gave thanks. This is the place where he gave thanks. And so in that place of gratitude, on this weekend of gratitude, the, the power of stepping into to gratitude is realizing that the paradox is it's not about the demonstration and pushing down the fear and, and affirming over the fear so that I can live my life. And many of it, and I, I included, have done that a lot of times because that's that second kingdom of consciousness. But he was in the third and fourth states of consciousness, what it's representing. And I don't know if it's a little, literal story or not, but what it's speaking to is the power of gratitude. So when we come together in gratitude, when we've done enough of our spiritual practice to, to get out of our own way, when we have mastered the second kingdom of consciousness and demonstrated in our lives enough good so that we can be of value to others, then the opportunity to step into that kingdom exists. But we, have, we can't skip that. We can't go from victim consciousness into the third kingdom. We have to go through the manifestation. That's why when you come here, we are not the only location where spirituality exists. There's churches everywhere, and, and most of them are beautiful, and people are devoted and committed to what they teach. Ours is a, a, a unique expression of the perennial truth. As Jesus said, it is done unto us as we believe. And so what we do then is our opportunity to look at that, that, that sum total of what we believe and see if it's working for us or not. And if it's not, then we go about the business of changing it. And in the business of changing it, we are not alone in that. So the gratitude allows us to be supported by the resources that are around us seen and unseen. But many of us think we've got to do all the work ourselves, and it becomes exhausting. And I've seen it happen over and over again. And then when we run into this obstacle of our, our status quo of our beliefs, why would I want to keep doing this work? It's too, it's too painful. This is too hard. I don't want to do that. I want it to be easy. And, and, but the beautiful opportunity is, is all of us have, have incarnated at this point in time in this form to be about this work. And so when we talk about Thanksgiving, what I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for all the people that, that sort of tortured me into this current experience I'm having. Because it felt like torture at the time. It was very uncomfortable. And I wanted to blame everybody. This isn't my fault, it's their fault. And I realized that isn't working. They're just doing the best they can. <laughs> And so it was really around that shift in perception so that, and, and, and all of those things that, that 
for all of us, that deep understanding that life is really our champion, that we're really championed in that unseen level. And so when the illness shows up for us, it's not a sign of failure. When the, when the cold shows up for us in the cold and flu season, we have not failed. When the, when the finances go sideways, it's not defeat. It's an indication that there's an opportunity for a new idea to be born. And without that, and especially when we're in the business of our, our, our spiritual practice, that this is, is not an indication that things are getting worse and they're never going to get better. This is actually a, an encouraging sign because we're shaking up the status quo. But if we're doing it consciously, if we're just spinning in it, we are in victim consciousness. But to understand when we start to make those changes, relationships are going to change with everything. And so all of the resources are around us right here and right now. We are immersed in it. We are immersed in it. In Esther Hicks' work, and I, I love Esther because I think she, she speaks um, current metaphysics in such a clear way, whether you're a fan of her or not, if you're not, just let it wash over you. But she talks about that, the, that, that, that army of light that, that Ken was referencing, this, the force for good, this one life of, of goodness that has many aspects. I've heard described this experience in Abhijania, there's the sun and the sun has many rays. We are the rays of light. We are part of that phalange of light. We just happen to be denser in this form. What I've heard Esther say that I think is really true, we're the lucky ones. We're the lucky, we're the fortunate ones because we are in form. We have an opportunity to make, make such a difference in the world. We're the ones that have said, I'm, I, I will take life, I will take form, and I will be about this business of transforming my own consciousness, which is a blessing and a gift to everyone. And so on this day of gratitude, in this season of Thanksgiving, this weekend of Thanksgiving, I'm so grateful for choice. To understand I have choice wherever I am. I'm never stuck. And, and if I'm really lost and I'm really struck, uh, stuck, what I know is that someone will come along to help me. Someone will help come along and remind me of the truth of my being when I forget sometimes. You know, it's not for my, my journey with the science of mind has not been I read it one time and I got it. I've read it a thousand times. And then I'm still surprised sometimes when I forget. Lady goes to, uh, to church one day and the, she always sits way in the back and the minister said, okay, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a demonstration of, of how uh, many times we don't live a healthy lifestyle. And so he had four jars there and one jar was full of alcohol and one jar was full of cigarette smoke and one jar was full of chocolate and one jar was full of very fertile soil that a worm would love to live in. And so he put a worm in each jar and he said, next week we're going to come back and see how these worms did. And so lo and behold, comes back and that week where the, the worm had been placed in a jar of alcohol, the worm was dead. This, the, the jar that contained the cigarette smoke, once again, the worm's dead. The jar with the chocolate, worm's dead. And the jar where there's the fertile soil, worm's doing great. And the minister says, well, what did you learn? And the lady sitting in the back says, well, what I've learned is that if I continue to drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, I will not have worms. <laughs> it's true. Just saying. So within, within this, this, one of the things that, as I said, I'm just so, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude 
as I've done my own work and I've walked the path, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed with the opportunity to continue to be, what a gift in life to be supported and, uh, by this community and by this movement and by this teaching. And you are as well, whether you're here one time or you know, every weekend. And, and, the, and the insight that we can heal, we can shift and change our consciousness. That, we, that, that that's actually why we've shown up. And so where we find limitation or, or challenged or difficulty, those become the gifts in our lives for us to look at it. It doesn't mean defeat, it means, hey, opportunity. You know, and as I move along the path, you know, in Matthew it always says the path, is, the path gets narrower, and it does get narrower. And I find that, that I catch myself sooner rather than later. I used to really be all over the path. Now it's like, oh my gosh, I, I don't do that anymore. But that's my own journey. That's where I am in my own journey. And, and you are on your own journey. See, our, 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 our destination and success with this is, is assured. It's a, it's a guarantee. But it's just a matter of when we're going to step up our game and, and work with that flow of life, work with that divine presence. And, and that's, that's the, uh, the opportunity. We can do our part, that we're not alone, that we have insight. We have people who have gone before us to talk about the chemicalization and what those challenges are. And so then when we're in the moment, when we're in that moment of challenge about what's happening, we can understand it's a sacred moment. That, that the presence of spirit is in this too. When you, so one of the things I wanted to mention um, in, in uh, reference to what Ken spoke about, John of God, if you'd like me to take your picture, I'll take a picture with me. I'll take as many as I can carry. Uh, a picture, a name, birth date, and address, and your prayer request. It's no different than what we do here with practitioners. When you fill out a practitioner card and ask for prayer support, you're already in the prayer. And, when, when, and this unseen force, the only way they can help us is by asking. And sometimes we forget to ask. Heather Cummings, the John of God's interpreter, said, if we're not thanking, if we're not in gratitude a thousand times a day, we're missing an opportunity. And so there's a, there's a, there's a gentleness there. There's a graciousness there to say, wow. Because then life becomes a state of grace. And then every moment is sacred. Because you are it. See, I'm speaking to the Christ within you from the Christ in me. And it's a beautiful thing. And so whatever healing is alive for you is a blessing for all of us. Whatever that longing is for a greater, a greater sense of wholeness. Healing just represents moving from a, a more distant location of, to a, of a longing to a closer proximity of what the ideal would look like. And it's available for all of us all the time. And the more each, each one of us gives birth to that, the more that becomes available that which wants to be expressed by you and by me. And then who knows what's going to happen. But we know that it'll be right and perfect. And we'll know it in our hearts intuitively. We'll know it in our minds. And, and, and the, collective, the collective gratitude and the collective agreement is just so wonderful and powerful. And so I, I'm, I stand in great gratitude for all the opportunities that this experience has contained for me. You know, over 10 years ago, you, in, you invited me to come here and be with you in this journey. And I had no idea stepping into it what it would all look like. But all of it has been beautiful and important for the evolution not only of myself, but for our community.
And we're a solid community. We're a clear community. We're a deepening community. We're a community of healing. And as we, and as we demonstrate that and live from that more and more, people that resonate with that vibration uh, are attracted to it. And it becomes a contagion of good. And that's why community is so powerful. We see the shifts and changes that are going on here with our small groups, with our meta model. I'll talk about it at our meet and greet today. I'm going to spend a few minutes just talking about community today. But one of the reasons we gather is because we need each other. And to witness the healings that go on and to hear our stories and to share our blessings and to share our struggles. And so that we can stand with one another even in the darkest of moments and say, Oh, I hear this and I have such compassion and empathy for you. But you're going to get through this too. This too shall pass. And it's such a powerful, healthy thing to do. Not that we have to have one another's answers. Because we don't. But we can love one another unconditionally. And we can hold the high watch for one another and know that healing is possible. And that spirit is present. And that love is the order of the day. So happy Thanksgiving.